Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. We're going to share a treat heading through the New Year's weekend of re-releasing some of our favorite podcasts from 2018. Please enjoy them, revving up through New Year's Day and right after that, very excited to be sharing with you Siddhartha Kosla, who is creating original scores for not just This Is Us, but several other television shows at the same time. But while we're waiting for that release of our new podcast, please enjoy some of our gems from 2018. Andrea Young joined us from Coral Young at UCLA when she was visiting in town from Aspen, Colorado. She's done all sorts of intriguing things and now has a radio show there as well as as part of Coral Young, which is both label services and playlist services. So I had a lot of fun talking with her about what she's seeing in trying to work with artists in understanding playlists and how to thrive in a playlisting world. You know, I've been in and around the industry for a long time. I mean, I worked for a major label. I was part of the group that began SoundScan many years ago, which helped independent retailers be a part of the billboard charts when they weren't really represented. And then I started to work with Aspen Public Radio. Aspen, Colorado. In Aspen, Colorado, that's right. And I chaired their board, and I was president of their corporation, and I did that for a long time, and then I just, I now have my own radio show. I've had it for a long time. What happened was I would find music that I loved, and I would get really excited about it, and I'd talk to the artists and tell them I would be featuring them on my show. Mm -hmm. They would get really excited. And artists started to ask me to help them, help them with marketing, help them to understand what they should be doing, how they could get their music out. And that's how I got into what I'm doing today, which is the Coral Young Group, which is label services, marketing, emerging to established artists, do-it-yourself to management companies and labels. But we just really work with artists to understand best practices, which are changing every day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. On how you get your music heard online. So that has led to playlisting and streaming promotion, which is, of course, it's my passion because I've been a curator forever for a long, long time. That's always been my passion. So to take that out now and be a part of this revolution that's going on, really, for artists, where they no longer have to go through the gatekeepers that used to be there, which were the labels, which... And radio. And radio, that's right, which were funnels. They were just funnels. Well, now we've got different funnels and we need to know how to use them. And the old funnels were not all that transparent. And the new funnels are selectively transparent? They're getting more transparent. They are getting more transparent. All the streaming services are coming up with tools for artists to understand how to better promote their music and and get their music heard online. Amazon, um, Pandora, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, YouTube. They all have tools now to to share analytics and data with the artists. So you can see, oh, wait, my number one city that I'm most popular in as far as listens online is Mexico City. Who knew? I didn't know I had an audience in Mexico City. How granular are the tools for for the streaming and playlisting side? How much, I mean, is it 
I have a bunch of people in Mexico City or I can tell that Fred Smith is listening in Mexico City. Yeah, I think they're still really in their infancy as far as what artists can take a look at. It's more, you can see you have an audience in Mexico City. You can't see that Fred in Mexico City is listening or what part of Mexico City or whatever. There are further analytics available to the labels and to bigger entities, but for the do-it-yourself artists, the emerging artists, it's really, it's, it's not as much as I would like to see yet. Okay. So for playlists... How does this data flow into it, and how in the world do independent artists get their music on playlists? Now, we're talking in June of 2018, and as we're saying, things are changing rapidly. What's the state of the art presently in 2018 in June? So just to give a little bit of background about playlisting, because I think it helps you to understand Mm -hmm. where it is now. So we started offering playlisting promotion services almost two years ago. Okay, great. Things that I I would have told an artist six months ago to do, I wouldn't tell them to do today in, in, in order to get their music on playlists. Things have just evolved, and I think the understanding of what it takes has evolved. And it comes down to one thing, which every artist knows, but is so tough to do, and that is engage your fans. That's how you get on playlists. It's like everything else. How do you get people to come and come to a venue when you're appearing? How do you get radio stations to pay attention to your music? I mean, I can talk about all sorts of tips, but the bottom line is who's listening? Who wants to listen? Where's your community? So let's back up even one further step. When we talk about playlists, we are talking about generally, there's an international audience for this podcast. We tend to talk about the bigger... U.S. facing playlist playlist on Spotify and Apple and now or I should say and now Apple Music and YouTube now has playlists. YouTube playlists. Everyone's getting Deezer has playlists. And so we're not talking about a single thing though. We tend to talk about a shorthand to how do I get on the big Spotify playlist? Right. Okay. So how do you if you're an emerging artist or even a a mid-established artist, how do you get yourself on a Spotify playlist? You engage your fans and you work the space. You can either do it yourself or you can hire somebody like me, for example, to engage with playlisters. Now, there are, there are different tiers of playlisters. So there are independent playlisters. These are people like myself for my radio show, mm-hmm. Aspen Beat on Aspen Public Radio, who who have playlists on Spotify and put their maybe their radio show playlists or just have their own playlists on Spotify. There are people like that all over the world, actually. It's just not the U.S. And those playlisters are an important key to getting further traction with the aggregated playlists and the company playlists, which are aggregated playlists come from uh, Topsify, Filter, and Dixter. Mm-hmm. Those are actually playlist companies who aggregate huge numbers of playlists from all over the world. And if you can get on their service, they have hundreds of thousands of followers. And they're largely owned by the majors? They're owned by the majors, that's right, the, ma- the major labels. And then up the tier above that, above, is Spotify, Apple, whatever. So in order to get traction, you have to show that there's something going on. So not just getting on a playlist and woohoo, I'm done, but that people are actually engaging with the music on the playlists. That's right. Exactly. So 
How do you do that? Well, one way to do that is to get to drive people to those platforms, right? Drive your listeners to those platforms. When you do that, then you get further traction on the platform with independent playlisters, for example, when you get them to pay attention. That then gets the attention of the algorithmic playlists. We've heard a lot about... How do we know which one is algorithmic versus curated versus a combination? Well, Discover Weekly and Release Radar on Spotify are algorithmic. And I don't know that there's anything that says, hey, I'm an algorithmic play- playlist. <laughs> um, flashing light. light. Flashing light. And then the editorially curated playlists like Rap Caviar and Viva Latina and on both Spotify, Apple. All, all Again, it's easy to talk about Spotify because they're, they're just so huge in this space. Mm-hmm. But everyone else has playlists. Uh, how do you then track who's doing what to whom across the playlists do you have a gigantic spreadsheet and have an intern who checks everything all the time are there tool sets for this is this a manual labor effort still is there some way to see other than other than subscribers actual usage in the playlist from the outside or do i need to be able to sign up for tools in each of the different services to see the backside of playlists so we use multiple tools So we do use the tools that the platforms provide, and we encourage all the artists to use them as well. So that's Spotify for artists, Apple Music Connect, uh, Pandora Artist Marketing Program, AMP Program, YouTube and SoundCloud have some tools as well. SoundCloud Pro is a fun one. So I teach an internet marketing class here, and my students have a tremendously fun time working with the artists they work with to go, this is where you can actually see Fred Smith. It's one of the only ones where you can actually track by the person in the SoundCloud Pro and see, oh, wow, that person listened to my tracks 253 times. I should possibly reach out to them. They are a super fan or or they have something else going on in their life that I would ask about. Uh, But everybody else is still looking at sort of blobs of people. Besides the streaming platform analytics and metrics that are provided, we also use some independent metrics and analytic company tools, Chartmetric, um, Spot on Track. I mean, we really pretty much go anywhere we can find information, mm-hmm. but we, we do use both to find out. Um, yes, we do have interns who have become team members, by the way, but mm-hmm. we do have interns who sit in rooms and, and help us to, to record analytics. And we do monthly reports which summarize what's going on, and I think that's that helps because we're looking at so many different places. So the answer is it's still yes. all over the place. <laughs> right. Yes, and. Yes, yeah. and we yes. use tools. Yes, and we use interns. Yes, and we have spreadsheets yeah. and data visualization to figure this out and what's what's working and what working means. Yeah, you know, the first thing we do when an artist comes to us is we send them a playlisting questionnaire which asks them to identify their community and every artist can do this. It's like, okay, what artists do you think you sound similar to? What genres do you think your music is part of? What artists would you like to see on a playlist with yourself? What playlists would you like to be on? So that gives us clues as to where we can go so they maybe they're singer-songwriter so then we go to our singer-songwriter playlist playlisters and pitch them what's a pitch look like in the current era you know it's like why is this important what what is information what what kind of support is this getting what is going on with this and not just this is a really fabulous song play this link and you'll hear this track never 
it doesn't work because I, I don't know if this is right, but I've heard, maybe you've heard 10,000 tracks a day being released. Have you heard a number? I, the number I've heard most recently is 30,000 were loaded in to um, uh, the streaming platforms last month. Okay. So 30,000 tracks a month. Mm -hmm. So that's what we say. How do you get heard within those 30,000 tracks? So I think that every artist thinks that their track is awesome, fabulous, and many, many, most of them are, but that doesn't, that doesn't tell enough of a story. And that's what I'm trying to say. It's about how you're engaging with your fans that tells the story. So if you can say, yes, I'm touring, you know, I'm touring uh, in the mid Midwest right now, or I've got radio airplay, or listen, I've got 50,000 followers on Facebook who engage with me. And or that's Instagram. a hard one because right now, uh, I mean, the engagement numbers for many artists suck. So that they might have 30,000 fans on Facebook and they post something and two people will ping they like it and no one will make a comment and you'll try to explain to them, that may have been the game about three years ago or two years ago and that is not the game now. If you can't get your fan to take action, engage with you, share the content or something, you're just blasting out to the ether you have to pay for again to and then you don't have a group of people who are going to show up at concerts and buy your merch and and listen on playlists and save on playlists and pre-save on playlists and all that great stuff yeah i couldn't i totally agree i couldn't say it enough i always say do not when when you're working with us do not buy followers do not buy listens do not buy do not do that it just doesn't serve and, and it's so blatant I can look at an artist and they just what you just said and say okay this artist really doesn't have any engagement how did they get 50,000 followers yeah and if they're if you don't have anybody who's even going to react to a post or share a post or do anything with the post or if they're not going to then save that song and not click through it once they get to a playlist on all the other things that signal that this is something that moves to the next playlist or stays on the playlist. Yeah, you know, there's really interesting conversations going on right now about that engagement on the streaming platforms and what it means when someone goes directly to your artist profile and listens and saves or goes to other people's playlists or goes to a company or an editorial playlist and does the same thing. And it's... it's um, I think there's there's some things yet to be seen about this level of engagement with fans. Uh, just when you think about the way you listen to music, do you know? I mean, every day do you find a, a track or an artist that you just can't live without that you're on, you have on constant repeat? No, it sort of goes in waves, right? And then you might listen to an artist continuously, furiously for a short period of time, and then you move on. Now, right? I'm not a great candidate for that because I tend to listen to new artists because I've read a blog post about them. And then I go explore who they are. And I don't seek n new artists from playlists. I will tend to seek it from other people who recommend it, which is, though, a big chunk of how people are still discovering music. And you know, part of it is if you're counting on being on a very popular playlist, but your number, you know, 72... You may not get any plays at all, but you'll be able to say, look, I'm on this great playlist. But then it it may be only incidentally delivering you any traffic. And when someone looks at the performance to say, do we want to do anything with this person? 
mean, part of it is the labels see the back end of the data that we regular people don't see, right? That's right. But there's still a lot of tools you can use, and there are a lot of ways you can present yourself. For example, on Spotify, there are tools where you can put on your artist bio and your photos and, and your links to your socials. I think those are really important across platforms. So that's someone like you. So that's how you listen to music. Mm-hmm. So you you find it through someone else, and then you research it. So I think what the platforms, the streaming platforms are trying to do is be the place that you do that research and be the place that you can find all that information. On, well, maybe on a mixed deal. So Spotify, kind of. Um, I know a lot of artists are putting, um, is it Listen Tree? I'm trying to remember the one, or Link Tree. It, and there's, there's three or four other tools that have come out so that you actually can go to one place to link into all the services and then collect all the metrics as to where people went and all that stuff so that you can go into other places to find and listen and see. Um, it's sort of interesting as to what, what we expect the fan to do. And there's sometimes not a lot of thought as to what we expect the fan to do upon discovery of a new artist and, and, or, or guide that path. Is that something that you do with your clients or with the smaller artists to help them sort of figure out that their fans need some nurturing, coaching, movement along the quote-unquote customer journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody said, I think it was Trey Carter from mm-hmm. Spotify, <laughs> said, you know, hustle is merely a lot of effort, you know, but you, you have to put the work in. Mm-hmm. So we all know what we should be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about actually doing the work. And yes, we encourage the artists that we work with and their management teams to take advantage of every, of every tool we can find. And that's what we feel like our job is. That's what we feel our job is, is to go out there and say, here are all the tools. Today, we found out from Spotify that it might it's a really best practice, it's a good best practice to create playlists, artist playlists that you put on your artist profile. Do you know that kind of thing? We're finding things out every day. And then what do you find isn't working anymore? Just what you said. <laughs> Which is having lots of followers, but no engagement. It just doesn't. And, and that's the other thing. It's a build. It's a build. I can't remember who it was who, who talked about an artist that they broke. It took them 58 weeks. It was one of the labels. It's like it's not, it's not a one-week thing. It's not a one-day thing. It's like, oh, my, my track is out. So here we go. I'm going to tell my fans on Instagram to take a listen. No, it's like persistent, consistent effort. And that's what we do. Artists and their teams can do what we do. It's just, we do it all day, every day. That's Mm -hmm. what, you know, it's just like, we just, we're just, we're relentless. We're just always out there. And have your own sort of knowledge and database and people that you work with that you know are working parts of the pathway. Yeah. And that's part of the issue. I think you need a trusted source. Artists, that's why managers and management companies, labels, companies like ours you need a trust you need a trusted source to go out there's so many people pitching their music gigantic volume of stuff and and part of it the audience is in kind of looking for stuff one of my favorite stats that comes from buzz angles work is that um half of what we listen to is stuff that's more than three years old and so that in many ways there's a market in reminding not just in new artists, but in reminding to come back. And uh, we've had on a recent uh, episode, we had uh, Deborah Fairchild from Viva Sound on 
talking about how in many ways they're doing a lot of work in bringing the older songs back into the connectivity that I'm, I'm listening to something new from an artist and now I can dive into their catalog and listen to older stuff too. So We have some playlisters that we work with who will not listen to a song if it's more than two weeks old. Wow. New music playlisters. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. So, there, I mean, there's there sort of a sub, sub-genre of playlisters, but still, two weeks is a very short period of time. But there's so much coming over the transom right now, and so many great new artists and new music, and, and now that especially global is so accessible, there's some great things coming from all over the world to be paying attention to, and... Yeah, we're we're working with an artist out of the Netherlands who is a country artist. He's he's just really into country. So yes, we see that. We see a lot of the international stuff go on. I I also wanted to know, you know, when you're an emerging artist, what does the definition of that for me is when you have less than a thousand spins on Spotify, for example. We'll just okay. use Spotify because it's just easier right now. Mm-hmm. So that's an emerging artist because that means there's not really an audience yet, right? So that's a long, persistent, consistent effort road. I've never worked with an artist that we haven't been able to move the dial forward. But moving the dial forward on someone who has less than a thousand listens on all of their tracks on Spotify is a way different job than moving the dial for someone who has a million listens or whatever. They've already got a built-in audience. Usually, and, and they have the data on who their built-in audience is, which I find fascinating. We, in, in our marketing work we do here, usually when we sit down with artists with that data, you just see their eyes get wider because it's not who they thought was listening to their music. There's a band we did some stuff with this week, or they're doing some stuff with us, and they've been out for about 14 years, but they haven't looked at their data in a while. And in taking their data apart, they're kind of going, that's who our fan base is? Um, and then adding that with the ability to crawl through using SoundCloud, et cetera, to the individual to see their appetite or go through your Facebook fans, the people who are engaging and actually go look through their stuff. You suddenly got an overly descriptive picture of your super fans you've never had before, which is an interesting time right now. Oh, I think it's exciting. I'm just so excited. Um, Though it's a little creepy stalker time, too. <laughs> with all the data. The head of Cobalt said um, that right now about 5,000 artists are making their living off streaming revenues. In the next couple of years, 100,000 artists will make their living off wow. streaming revenues. That's, that's what excites me. That's like, yes, where are those 95,000 artists? Let's, let's go find them. Let's, let's help them. At the same time, there were um, 36 million tracks listened to last year. So you also think about it that we're still hanging out the 1% of this, but the 1% is getting fatter, that there's places that more than just those top 5,000 artists can find ways to engage and get their fans to come back and not be at the mercy of someone saying, you're on this playlist this week. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point, that playlisting isn't, should not be the only thing. And in fact, it can't be. The more, again, the more you've got going on, the more result you'll see. And it's got to be a holistic picture of what you're paying attention to. Again, engaging on socials, your touring, syncs if you can get them, syncs, sync licensing, mm-hmm. just really engaging everywhere. That's what, playlisting doesn't work in a vacuum. Playlisting is just a part of the music ecosystem, an important part, I think, right now. But it's it's not the only part. 
It's very difficult to do when you don't have anything else going on. That's what I was trying to say about an artist who has less than a thousand listens. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult, no matter how fabulous the music is, to get other people to pay attention. And that's what the editorial teams are looking for. They look, they want, everyone wants to jump on whatever's big thing. Right. So if you don't, you've, if you don't have anything going, it's much more difficult. So on the bigger artists, are you guys doing anything different with um, uh, smart speakers getting to be more and more the question about, you know, I'm, I live in an Alexa house myself, and I'm always asking it questions much to the chagrin of my family members who live at home. And, um, and I'm talking a, a fair amount to lots of folks, and in some cases the Alexa team, um, about the how do people ask for music now and what folks are seeing more, especially folks who are using, and this is from a conference a few weeks ago, um, for people who are using Amazon music services as well as Amazon, is they're getting more into the, you know, play me a rock song from the 80s. So the decade is getting to be, and again, half of listening is not new stuff, um, you know, the decade, the the atmosphere, and in some cases, the emotional state. How are you thinking with artists to the fact that the call-outs now are getting to me more than, you know, play me such and such a song from Led Zeppelin, U2, somebody current? Yeah, this is another area, metadata. Mm -hmm. Metadata on, on tracks. I think there's going to be an evolution of, there has to be, of increased information on tracks uh, mood, theme, decade, whatever it is, in order to meet and and uh, work with the voice assistants like Alexa, um, when you say, "Hey, play play some chill music for Sunday morning," so how do the databases know where the chill? How where does that come from? Though people are labeling their playlists chill music <laughs> right so like there's a whole bunch of sleep music playlists so play me music that i can use for sleep goes directly to the what have you listened to most recently what is the sleep playlist and, and that actually messes up your algorithmic stuff as to who you are so my uh, systems all think that i just want sleepy music so because i spend hours at a time having my background music being sleep playlist music so it really messes up then my looking for cool hip things while I'm awake during the day. <laughs> so um, and then it, it depends also how many people are talking to your stupid Alexa device <laughs> because my 22 year old son in the house listens to totally different music on my account than my 55 year old husband who mostly just yells at Alexa. So it <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really it's it's like a little bit before Netflix split it out into individual people on your Netflix account or Hulu breaking it individual people that your TV was thinking that you had the strangest eclectic taste because five people were using your television account. And now you do have the ability with um, music accounts to have it by person. But still with things that are connecting to the home and the audio environment, it's sort of an interesting mixed message as to what is that person and what is their listening across devices? And then how do you think about that as an artist? Because you're getting all this weird data from all these services that are the same people in some cases, listening in different places and environments. It's an interesting time right now. Yes, it's only going to develop further and deeper, I think. And um, I think Alexa and the voice assistants have opened up the market to everyone from two-year-olds to 90-year-olds who might not 
spend the time to get on a streaming service and listen. They can now just listen by saying, hey, Alexa, play me some whatever. So um, whether it's chill music or it's a specific artist. So yes, there's a lot of development. And I think the metadata is the key to that. That's going to have to be, um, the industry is going to have to have some kind of a database that is used. Well, that, that's other fights on other podcasts we've had and will have <laughs> as to what is the lingua franca of data that is going to be for everything and everybody. Yeah, there's lots of conversations on what that should look like. And that's. But the, the other thing, too, is I think music is competing with Netflix, Spotify, Apple, whatever, are competing with Netflix and Hulu and everything else. So so we as an industry have to find a way to engage and the voice assistants, I think, are the key to that. I really do. Or opening up to new demographics, especially from what I'm seeing in the data, stay-at-home moms, family-based listening, kid-based listening, older people-based listening, home environments, not necessarily work environments. So they're trying to open that more up to the cars. I'm not sure I want to talk to my car more than I'm yelling at it now. <laughs> and, and I think um, that... The platforms have been very popular for specific genres that are very young to date. <coughs> um, urban, hip-hop, pop. But, but again, this is opening up beyond that, and that's, that's, uh, that's truly exciting. Here in this podcast, we're looking a lot at how technology is impacting local music scenes and local music. How is this all impacting, how is Playlist impacting the small local club or the local festival or the local music environment? A couple of things. I think that playlisting is a path that leads to more listens, that leads to more fans, and therefore that leads to uh, a better showing at a, at a venue that's being booked. So that's definitely, I definitely see that. Um just today, and this wasn't a setup, but just today, a, a band's <laughs> manager uh, texted and said, "This is playlisting is the best thing that ever happened to our band because at their shows, people are coming up to them and telling them that they found them on Spotify. Oh, wow. So for the venues, I think artists are able to prove through the data that they can draw better and because they understand better. Oh, I know I, I've got, they can see that they have engaged fan base to some degree someplace like Chicago. So, oh, great. Let me contact the venues in Chicago. Show them my metrics. Show them what the data is. Show them that I that I can draw. Um, so I think that it makes for a more efficient booking. Well, and also you have the data as to I've got fans in or as one, one band we're doing some work with is going Mexico City. I didn't know I had fans in Mexico City. I'm not exactly sure why I have fans in Mexico City. We tour all these European cities, but we've never toured Mexico City. So let's put that on our agenda for doing small venues there and working up to what looks like what could be our audience size. Exactly. And I know there's there's a venue in Aspen, Belly Up Aspen, um, and they have playlists on their site, whatever. I mean, I'll, I know I personally go to their site and take a listen and find a band that I'd like to possibly see, go to a show, and I do that through their playlists. I mean, they're very, they're very good about that. There are a lot of venues uh, that that do that now that have their own playlists of artists who are appearing so it gives you the feel of the venue before you even show up as well right and says oh wow that's who's coming I, and, and the thing is services have tried to do this on their own 
there's been quite a few apps that have had local listening before before venues were be having a, a, a show come up so that you'd be able to then listen and buy tickets. And this is almost taking it, breaking up that from being a single app to being something that is natively part of the listening services. And there's deals being done, though, that I then can say, oh, look, I'm listening to this band on Spotify, and look, I can click through and buy a ticket. That's on the right. flip side... Pandora has a deal with major cities that you can listen um, and then you'll get a call out for major metropolitan cities if artists that are paying to have these um, audio call outs telling people, hey, I'm going to be in Denver. Please come listen and I love my fans in Denver, blah, blah, blah. And that can be a time-based call out that goes with the music on Pandora. Exactly. All marketing tools, both ways, both ways. I think it works both ways. Helps the artist, helps the venues. And what I find, though, on, on artists is that they're not realizing that they're needing to continue to feed the playlists with fan attention after they show up on a playlist. So if they do have concerts coming up, sending their fans to actually listen and boost their numbers on the playlists and to know that that's the way they can listen to them ahead of the concert has big payoffs all around. But a lot of them sort of think, well, it's on the playlist now I have to turn my attention to something else and not be continuing to feed that attention. Yeah, I agree. It's really important for artists to pay attention when they get on a playlist. Number one, the playlisters love it. It, it builds community. It builds community. And they'll, the playlisters will be more likely to feature their tracks um, when they come out with continued releases, which is what we a lot of times recommend. It's like just, you know, keep your audience engaged. How do you do that? And you have a track and a video, which you can do so inexpensively these days. You don't have to do what you used to have to do. Um, have a remix or, or whatever's going on. Put out an EP, put out an album, whatever. So so keeping the fans engaged on the platforms is really critical to the build. Well, this has been a, a great wraparound of someone from someone who's been working with emerging and mid-sized artists on this in the changing world. Kind of to close out, anything that you see coming up the pike? Really, I think there are just a couple things that are going to make a huge difference. We've talked about them, but just to summarize, one is uh, the the advent of voice assistance and how much that's going to open up the demographics and the market so that it isn't just the cool kids who are going to be listening anymore on the streaming platforms. I think that's that's really going to open things up along with the international, I think China and India are going to open up shortly if they haven't been already. Um, I, I think that's also going to be huge. And, uh, and then the third thing is this metadata and metrics. I just think it's going to get... It's going to be more and more possible for artists to drill down to find out that it is Fred in Mexico City who's listening, as scary as that might be to Fred. But well, what's when you reach out to Fred and say, Hey, I see that you're in Fred's so goes, How do you know that I'm listening to all that? I mean, and sometimes it's as basic as direct messaging Fred, and then Fred's going, Oh, the fact that I'm listening is being noticed by the artist is an interesting piece of the puzzle. I guess one my, my last question is um, in terms of tracking great fans who are your current or potential VIP listeners or super fans, how are you working with artists to, to not just work with their fans as a whole, but use all these tools to figure out who are the fans who will share, do the work, build the community, 
be the heart and soul under the future of the brand? Yeah. Um, socials plays a really huge part in that. So you just can connect so easily with your super fans on socials because they're sort of stalking you um, in a really <laughs> nice a way. That's right. Moment. It's a really nice, in a really nice way. So that's one way. And I think the question is what happens on the streaming platforms next? Will they evolve into more of a social media type atmosphere where you will be able to connect directly with your fans? They're doing some of that right now where I don't know if you, you get the emails where, um, for example, Spotify's like, hey, you know, a band will say, hey, I know you're a big follower. I know you're a big fan. So I'm, you can already do that kind of advertising. And the question is, will it go both ways? And will there be more of a direct communication? That would be something I'll be interested to see. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining in this adventure. Thank you. Cool. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Many thanks to the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places, or you can come find us at innovation.schoolofmusic.ucla.edu. Join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in innovating music. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.